I mean, there were times that were fun, but in the moment, I mean, there was all of us said, you know, this has got to be the, the dumbest thing we've ever done. Like, <laughs> you're never doing this again. I don't know why we did this. Why'd you talk me into this? Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. Guys, I'm so glad you're here specifically for this episode. In this show, we speak with David, who's a longtime listener from the podcast, and in years past, he had heard us talk about the death hikes that we've done. He took it into his own hands to make his own death hike, which is what we've always encouraged people to do. We don't necessarily have the capacity to add people to our hikes and the events that we do. We get the question a lot, though, how can I come, how can I join, and our answer is, for this one you probably can't, but go find some buddies and make it happen on your own. That's exactly what David did, and we're going to hear his story in this podcast. So you hear about how he planned the hike, the gear he used, how he approached it, how he trained for it, and ultimately how it went. We also speak with him about his recent elk hunt from this fall. David's from Pennsylvania, and he went out to Colorado, and he has a very interesting story to share on that. Before we dive into the show, just wanted to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, etc. for us, just send us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. And if you haven't yet subscribed, we'd love to have you be a subscriber for this show to receive future updates. It's free. It's easy. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're at, just hit subscribe or follow. You can go to exomountgear.com forward slash podcast to learn even more. All right, enough of that. Let's get right into the show with our guest, David. David, thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you, Steve. I'm super excited about this one, David. As a listener of the show and has not only listened, but uh, taken some of our ideas, I think, and even the crazy ideas and put them into practice. So I'm excited to get the story out here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't uh, I can't wait. The fact that uh, you guys attempted your own death hike is just so cool to me. I love it. Yeah. So to kick things off, David, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share, um, let folks know kind of where you're from and what your background history is like and let them get to know you a little bit before we dive into your story. Sure. I uh, grew up and still live in southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm a farmer by trade. I grew up on the on the farm. I'm actually living in the house that I grew up in. So I haven't really moved too far from, from where I grew up at all. Uh, so grew up hunting, did some small game hunting, certainly whitetail hunting here in Pennsylvania. Uh, as I got older, into high school, started doing a lot more archery hunting and focused more on whitetails. Didn't, didn't do so much small game hunting anymore. Um, two years ago, or in 2017, my brother and I went on our first elk hunt in Colorado. And then this past year in 19, we went on another elk hunt. So really enjoy the, the whitetail hunting do some public land hunting in northern Pennsylvania, 
And uh, once we went on the elk hunt, we knew we were hooked on that as well. Yeah, we had that's awesome. we had told our I think we had told our wives or family that well we'll go once just to get it out of our system. <laughs> uh, that is certainly not the case. Yeah, <laughs> I said that about Alaska. Once, you're kind of hooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. For guys that may not know, I mean Pennsylvania is a massive, massive population of hunters. Correct? Like I think it's maybe the largest per capita in the country, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know about the per capita, but yes, there are there are certainly a lot of hunters in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, Steve, like yourself, right? We were actually talking about this show uh, last week before we were recording, clearly. And, you know, Steve, you kind of mentioned like Pennsylvania, Missouri, like it's all the same. It's all just, you know, east of the Mississippi, um, <laughs> just out there somewhere, that type of thing. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Pennsylvania is, man, it, do they still like close down school and stuff during hunting season there? The first day, well, this year was actually the for typically, traditionally, the first day of rifle deer season is on a Monday. Uh-huh. And a lot of schools are closed that day. In our, we live in the southern end of the state. It's just, I don't know what they call it. It might be part of the Thanksgiving break because it's the Monday after Thanksgiving. Oh, I have, okay. My sister lives in the northern part of the state. And I was talking to her and I saw their school calendar and it is actually on the calendar as Buck Day. Oh, really? <laughs> they, they, they call it Buck Day and it's school is closed. Yeah. No way. But this past year, they actually opened the season on a Saturday, which was, I think, the first change to the opener in, I don't know, 60 years. So that had some people all excited. and Yeah. Some people were for it. Some people weren't. But it was if if you change anything, you know, then it gets people worked up. But, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, huh, that is really cool. I had no idea Pennsylvania did that. Wish every yeah. state did that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it that uh, kind of pushed you over the edge, if you will, to plan that hunt in 2017? And after all these years of hunting in Pennsylvania, like, what was the was there one final thing that was like, all right, we gotta just go make this happen, or was it something you just been wanting to do for a long time, and you just said enough is enough. This is the year we're doing it. I have a cousin who lives in Pennsylvania here as well. And he has been out on numerous elk hunts and talking to him at different family gatherings and that kind of thing and listening to his stories. And, and he was the one that said, Hey, you guys really need to come do this. So, and that's what we, he's the one that convinced us. So we had planned to go with him in 2017. He ended up injuring his arm and couldn't archery hunt that year. So we, kind of went by ourselves, and we had a contact out in Colorado that year in 17 and, and hunted then. So in 19 here is when we, we got back to hunt with my cousin yeah. and got the full experience of, of kind of the more of the back country hunting That's cool. um, this time around. Want to uh, spend some time talking about your death hike. Um, Obviously, I'm sure you heard about ours on the podcast, it, it, one of them. I'm not sure which one you heard about, but, um, you know, we've encouraged folks because we get the question all the time of, hey, how can I join the death hike, um, you know, with us? And it's just for a whole bunch of reasons, logistics, liability, et cetera, like we can only take so many guys and of the guys who've gone in past years, everybody keeps returning, which is fantastic. So, we, you know, it's hard for us to scale it, grow it, that type of thing. So, we can't really take folks. So we've always encouraged people. We've said on the podcast multiple times, like if you want to do something like the death hike, 
then go do it. Like, don't wait for us. Just grab some buddies, you know, whatever area you're in, find some way to make something like that happen. Um, and I've, I've heard from some folks who've been in the midst of planning one, that type of thing. But I don't know that I've actually talked to anyone who planned it and actually did it. And you did. So that's amazing. What I guess maybe first, what Death Hike did you hear about? Or was it a couple of them? And then when did you decide to try and look at putting something together for yourself? Sure. I think I've, well, with any of them that you've put on a podcast, I would have heard about because I've I've listened to all of them. We were actually on, on our drive up to do ours, it was about a four-hour drive, we were listening to some of the Death Hike recaps, uh, which was amusing. Um, (laughs) But we, I don't know exactly why we planned it, other than the fact that we could. And like you said, that we heard on your podcast about your Death Hikes and always thought that would be fun to try. And like you said, you, you mentioned on there that you know, you, you can't all come with us, go do one of your own. So that's kind of what we decided to do. Uh, there's a trail near where we vacation up in the mountains in the summertime that we've done portions of. So I started researching that a little bit and saw that it's, uh, uh, anywhere from 83 to 85 mile loop, depending on how you measure it. And I thought, I wonder if we could do that. And then I thought, well, we maybe could do it in a long weekend. If we would go Labor Day weekend, we could do it in a four-day weekend. Then there was part of me that said, well, I wonder if, could we do it in three days? So that's <laughs> kind of where we, where we started. And I, I talked to different people here. And uh, my How son was go? in. <laughs> uh, there was... <laughs> uh, there was quite a, I talked to different family members and they're like, yeah, no, that sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> and, and they were they were kind of right. Um, but I I have a brother-in-law, Justin, who he's the he's the guy that I mean he can play any sport. He he doesn't have to practice. I mean he's just the athlete. He can do anything. And I and I mentioned it to him, and he's always up for adventure. And he yeah, I'll do it. And my, my son, he was, yeah, he was into that. He's 17. He thought that would be fun. And then my sister, I convinced her, and then she had a friend as well who wanted to, to try it. Hmm. Uh, so there was five of us to start. So we had, we started planning the, the trail that we did has a trail club. I went online, was able to find their, their guidebook, the maps of the trail, they do have, I believe, five or even maybe six shelters on the trail, Adirondack-style shelters. So I, I put a lot of – studied the maps for a long time and, and tried to plan a route of where we could start to hit a shelter every night. And I wasn't sure that there would be room at the shelter. I knew we weren't going to be getting there early in the in the day or in the evening to – kind of reserve space to, to shelter. So we were prepared to camp, but I, I wanted to be at a shelter every night. At least that was the goal mm-hmm. to kind of have a, to kind of have a goal in mind that, Hey, if we can make it to this shelter day one and we can make it to this shelter day two, by day three, we can finish. 
And if something went wrong and it took us until we started on Friday. So if, if something went wrong and we didn't finish Sunday and we had to finish Monday, that wouldn't be the end of the world either. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of our, our game plan going into it. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really smart. Not not just on the, let's get to this point because it's a shelter, but I think pre-planning, especially for a multi-day trip and thinking of like when we did our 100-mile trip and thinking of when I've not even done a multi-day trip, but in the past, like having done um, a rim-to-rim in the Grand Canyon, I was very strategic with like planning, okay, here's checkpoints, you know, let's try and be here by this time, just because it, A, it keeps you accountable to making sure you're moving at a pace that allows you to um, to succeed. And then B, it just kind of gives you some momentum like, okay, I've made it here. I don't necessarily need to think about the end. I just need to think about getting to the next spot um, and have that plan that you kind of break, you know, the whole proverbial how do you eat an elephant, right? Like one bite at a time. And I think approaching a big hike like that, it's really helpful to have clearly defined quote unquote bites, if you will, of just I need to get from here to the next point, not here to the finish line. Yeah, and we had day one, we were looking at a little over 29 miles. Day two was going to be our shortest mileage-wise, but we were going to have the most elevation that day. We were almost uh, just under 27 day two, and then day three was going to be around 28, uh, something like that. So we thought, well, if we can get our biggest mileage chunk done day one, well, that'll be at least a mental victory. Yeah. You know, hey, we did this. In one day, we can do, you know, we can do the rest in the next two days. What's it leading up to the hike? Obviously, it sounds like planning wasn't, you know, too terribly difficult. It's a known route. It's a loop. Um, you're aware of different shelters and checkpoints. But in terms of the other unknowns before the hike, so in, maybe in terms of gear, training, um, you know, issues that might come up in terms of self-care during the hike, like how did you approach those different things still leading up to starting the hike? Yeah, we did a we did a number of things. This we did this Labor Day weekend of 19. So this was the very beginning of September. We knew our elk hunt was going to be the I think we were the last week of September. So we had been at least myself had been training kind of all summer for the elk hunt. So I was I was hiking, I was running, I had, I'm not sure if it was on one of your podcasts that we, I had built a step up box. I had, we were doing some of that. I had gotten a tire to do a tire drag. And I actually enjoyed that more than I thought I would. We would, Mm. we have on the farm here, we have just a, a lane, a walkway between the fields and it's a mile loop. Round trip is a mile. So we would, my brother and I would kind of take turns dragging this tire around the loop and we're competitive. We would time each other and see, you know, who could do it faster. And my son was getting into that as well, that he would take it, you know, a morning and, and go drag the tire. Uh, we, and honestly, from your podcast is what a lot of our, my preparation came from. I know in the the one podcast you talked about Luco tape. I had never heard of that stuff. Um, I went to the local pharmacy and uh, drugstore, asked them if they had Luco tape. Well, they act like I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. <laughs> so, good old, you know, hop on Amazon and uh, 
and get the Luco tape shipped out. So I had never used that stuff. I was glad if we didn't have that, we would have never been able to finish just from blister issues. Hmm. Um, Did you use the footwear for this hike that you were, um, had used or were planning on using for your elk hunt as well? Or since the terrain was different, did you go a different route for footwear? I debated that. I, I considered using the footwear that I was going to use for the elk hunt. Uh, I've never had an issue with my ankles. I know a lot of people can have weak ankles and they need something with a lot of ankle support. That's not never been an issue for me. I ended up doing this hike in a pair of Reebok sneakers. And, and my son had sneakers as well. Uh, my brother-in-law actually wore his work boots. I thought he was oh, nuts. Wow. <laughs> so he did the whole and i wasn't if my son would have said he wanted to do it in work boots i would have said no no chance uh my brother-in-law i, I didn't have to worry about him he was going to finish he he yeah. i mean he's just that guy um but i debated the footwear but i i went with light i wanted to be as light as possible um knew that the ankles weren't I didn't think would be an issue and they weren't. So if I was to do it again, I would, I mean, I would probably just do a, a sneaker again for that time of year. And it's, it's rough terrain. I mean, there is some, some pretty steep up and down, but it's a, it's a decent trail. It's rocky in places, but it's not, it's not a terrible as far as uneven ground. So that's kind of what led me to just stick with my sneakers, so sneakers that I've had for, you know, a year. They're, they're broken. They're not new. Um, and they worked well. Good. It's interesting to me. Um, you know, I kind of had to chuckle when you said something about the tire drag being enjoyable, having done quite a bit of that myself, I would not say that that's super enjoyable. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to me that you tied, and maybe maybe this isn't directly related, but I heard it this way. You said it was enjoyable, but then you went on dirt, uh, immediately to speak about how it was a challenge between you know you and your brother-in-law, you and your son. And it just reminds me of whether it's in training or whether it's in something like the hike, the the camaraderie, the in it togetherness, the um, experiencing the suck not on your own is what makes something like this so much more enjoyable, so much more valuable, so much more meaningful is just doing it with other people. Yeah. And that's, I, it, it seems like the competitiveness is kind of what drives me to train for this kind of a thing. I, I live close to both my, my parents and my brother live within uh they live adjacent to the farm here so if i see one of them even now if i see one of them oh you know my brother is is going for a run why it's it's a whole lot easier to make sure i get a run in that day too um and that's what it is enjoyable uh i mean just the well if if he can do it i bet i can too and if you know i bet i can keep up with my younger brother it's a lot of what makes me tick, I guess. And my wife would say that, although she says it's because I see my, my kids getting older and I see them trying to, I'm trying to keep up with them now, trying to make right. sure they don't test me physically. Um, so I know that day's coming, but right. I can, you can at least delay it. 
yeah, yeah. It'll it'll get there eventually, but not quite yet. Yeah. So, still heading into the hike. You mentioned you were hoping to get to shelters, but you did mention you were carrying like shelters in terms of you know being able to have a tent that type of thing. Basically, what was your? I mean, you don't have to go into every detail, but just highlights of what gear you went into this hike with. Maybe, I don't know if you looked too closely at what your pack weight was, that type of thing. It'd be helpful to hear about. I did. I, I had told I had told everyone who was going to be going on this hike, hey, we got to stay under 20 pounds with our packs. I think I was like 22. It was low 20s. Um, so we had very minimal clothes we had we had an extra pair of socks and if i was to do it again i think i would take two extra so i could really be swapping out more often just from i mean just my feet sweat and and i know it was in one of your podcasts you had mentioned that every time you stopped hey you got to be changing your socks to keep your feet dry and we did but it was even you stopped, you change your socks, two hours later, you stopped again. Those, that first pair that you took off, they were still, they were drier, but they weren't dry. Right. And I would have, I would have taken another pair of socks, but we didn't, I don't think I had any extra clothes. I think for some dumb reason, I did take another pair of sneakers and I don't know why <laughs> I thought one was going to get wet. And then, but I, if your feet get wet, just walk until they're dry. I, I don't know what I was thinking with that. <laughs> um, but then we had, I did take a, I think it's the Mountain Smith LT, just the small floorless shelter. Yeah. I carried that and we had two pieces of Tyvek. My son and I each carried a piece of Tyvek for our ground cloth. My brother-in-law, Justin, he had gotten a hammock from a friend and he had never tried it before, but he's like, Hey, I got this from a friend and this is what I'm going to use. I was like, go for it. So that's what he did. I mean, that's, that's him. He would get something, throw it in his pack and try it for the first time on a 85 mile trip. That's, and he acted like, well, that was, it worked good. He was maybe a little chilly the one night, but he, he thought that worked really well. And we had sleeping pads. Um, I think I had a sleeping pad. I'm not sure my son did. He's young enough, I guess. He can just lay on the ground. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't do that. Um, and then our food would have been the other big thing. First aid, but that was about it. Flash uh, headlamp. Um, that was about it. I yeah. think from as far as our our gear went. Sounds solid. How did? Um... Yeah. How did your food go in terms of maybe what was the plan like? What did you have? What worked well? What didn't? What would you do differently again on that end of things, food specifically? <laughs> it was, I had heard, I believe it, maybe it was on one of the podcasts that guys were talking about making the, the peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. Right. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And I had looked online and, and some people loved them and some people hated them. And I thought, well, that, I, I like all that stuff. And I made one at home, and I was like, well, yeah, this is pretty good. I could eat this on a hike. So I made, a, I think I made one for each day. Um, so the first morning, we took our break, and I was like, I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I can't eat that thing right now. And then later on in the day, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it. So, so I ate most of it, and I, I kind of choked it down. 
Um, and then day two, I looked at that thing and took about three bites and threw the rest in the woods. And I have no desire to ever eat one of those again. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. I That did not work. Uh, it's, it's, as I say, it's funny how you, there's definitely food, uh, food from the de- – there's uh, pro bars, I think they're called. Yeah. No, yeah, I can't. I can't. That was death hike number three, and I can't ever look at one again. And right. Just instant vomit comes up. <laughs> yeah, there's such a big difference between what's palatable as you're sitting at home or, you know, in normal life versus when you're not even in high intensity, but just high exertion activity and prolonged activity. You know, the heavier, kind of richer that food is, typically the tougher it's going to be to stomach. So, you know, you think of a pretty dense bagel with some rich peanut butter and bacon like that. Yeah. Some guys did them on the death hike for sure. But, um, I've just found kind of the simpler, lighter, cleaner, the better, um, because it can get tough to eat period. And it's something where if you get behind on it, uh, just in terms of total calories, you can, you can get yourself in, you know, some kind of trouble. Um, but yeah, it takes some experimentation to, to kind of find what works. Right. Yeah, and we we I think we each had a mountain house for our evening meal, and and then after that it was it was a lot of um, I know my son and brother in law he had again heard on the the podcast gummy bears so he had a great big bag of gummy bears and they they loved them I really enjoyed my peanut butter M and M's. Now they're they're a little bit heavier probably than gummy bears, but I could especially I don't know, and maybe it was all in my head, but if I knew that we had a, a big climb coming up, if eat a you know, a half of a little pack of peanut butter peanut butter M and M's that seemed to, to really do well for me. Mm-hmm. And other granola bars i can i can handle granola bars i actually found that it was nice just to kind of munch on them as i'm walking yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. instead of just sitting somewhere eating them just if you're in a a level spot of the trail just walk and eat at the same time yeah um slowly and that seemed to really work well yeah yeah Uh, kind of that steady uh you know drip of calories versus big meals is a great strategy for sure yeah, every time we would stop, we would we would more often than not, you know, eat a little bit of something, make sure we're taking in enough water. Um, that was one thing. My my brother-in-law, he worked at a camp for a lot of years, so he's been drilling into kids that hey, you got to be drinking, you got to be drinking. He was he was honest about making sure we're drinking enough. Um, so that that worked out well too. Yeah. So take us into the hike. How did, uh, how did day one go? What did, uh, was it what you kind of were thinking expecting kind of tell us the highlights, maybe the low lights from that first day there. Yeah. So day one, we had, uh, the night before we had driven up to my sister's house. Um, and she lives about three quarters of an hour from the trailhead where we were going to start. So we got up early Friday morning, drove to the trail uh, everyone smiles. We're taking pictures about six o'clock in the morning. The sun is just coming up. It's just starting to get light. So we hit the trail at six. We're all excited. 
And then, uh, and then we hiked and hiked and hiked. Um, <laughs> the first day we made a mistake of taking too long of breaks. We, I mean, I think mid to late morning, we kind of did a, the first day, instead of kind of, like you say, eating slowly all day long, we took a longer break for lunch. Um, the trail kind of went through a park and there was a pavilion there. So we we're like, Hey, this is a great place to, to stop. I think I even had some little, uh, powdered soup or something. I think I got my stove out and made, made a hot lunch. And I think until we got going again, we had wasted probably 45 minutes. Well, that, that was too long. So mm -hmm. day one, it, it felt like we were always behind. We could never, I mean, we knew how far we had gone and how far we had to go. And we could just never, we could never catch up to where we needed to be. Um, and my, my sister and her friend were struggling. Um, I didn't have a lot of contact with my, my sister's friend before the hike. My sister was kind of the in-between there with them. She had, her pack was way too heavy. I don't know what it weighed. But at the one stop, I know we we stopped to rest, and and she said, "Does anybody, you know, you want something to eat?" And she pulled out a whole pack of fig newtons, a whole like a whole <laughs> the whole big, big sleeve thing. Uh, yeah, and I, oh, that's got to be heavy. But stuff like that, she was having trouble with her feet, um, and we were trying to trying to tape them up and keep her going, but her feet and knees really got to the point where it was hard for her to go. Yeah. Uh, I think after the hike, she, of her 10 toenails, I think she lost seven of them. Oh so. my goodness. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, that's funny, but it's not funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. So she was really struggling and I'm not sure at one point I offered her, I said, do you mind if I would carry your pack for you? And I thought it would be a, no, no, I'm okay. And the response I got was, yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we had, uh, I had my pack. It's a, a K2 2000. We took her pack and sandwiched it between the bag and the frame. And we took my, myself, my son and my brother-in-law kind of took turns carrying that. It was probably close to 50 pound pack. Oh, oh goodness. Uh, so we kind of took turns carrying that pack. So, so Sue didn't have to carry hers and we, we made it to our shelter that night. Um, that way, mm. I think it was the last up to 15 miles. We carried her pack for her. We wow. wanted to. It, we we wanted to get everyone to that first shelter just so we could say that hey you know 29 miles that for us is is no joke in one day oh, yeah. Um, yeah. so that was our goal for that day it and mentally i was telling myself let's get to that shelter we can we can get there we can sleep and then in the morning we'll figure out what we want to do as far as going forward um, so we did, it was about nine o'clock till we got to our shelter. It was dark. 
the map said there was a water source right there. There was no water right there. Um, my my son Christopher, he was he did really well. Um, but it seemed like when the sun, I'm not sure what about it, but when the sun went down, there was like a switch in him that flipped, and he went from the "Yup, we can do this, kid," to "This is terrible. We're never going to finish. I don't mm. know why I did this." Um, so we get to the shelter and he's, oh, we don't have water. We can't make our meals. We've got to ration our water. And I said, no, we're going to, you know, there's water here. There's a stream. There's got to be water. It's on the map. We'll find water. Um, so my brother-in-law said, look, I'll go get, get us some water. You guys get camp set up. And like 30 seconds later, he comes back and he's like, hey, this isn't the woods from where where I live. Uh, you want to come with me? I don't know. There's there's noises out there. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I, I said, sure, I'll come with you. So we we had to walk probably another quarter mile downstream. It was just a very small stream till we could find a big enough area that we could kind of dip dip water out that we could. We had the sawyer. Uh, mini squeeze that we could we could dip our I guess we just used a cup to fill up our our squeeze bags to filter enough water for that night mm-hmm. um, that's plenty of water so that was day one that was that was tough yeah um, yeah what your your son experienced of you know the end of the day and you know darkness hits and I don't know if it's just coming down off the high if you will of the day or you know you're just finally your your mind and body are both still so you can kind of start thinking but um we for sure have seen that play out you know again going back to our our hundred mile hike because simply because that's you know the longest one in terms of days but even that first night ended up that first day was longer than most guys anticipated harder than most guys anticipated and that definitely happened that first night to some guys who you know, we're pretty positive most of the day. And then, you know, when their mind and body stopped and darkness hit, it was like, you could, you could hear some of the guys, you know, struggling with, with that mindset at that point. So that's real for sure. Yeah. And it, it didn't help that I had my map and I was looking and, and we crossed a road and I said, Oh, you know, it was on my, it was in the guidebook. You know, when you cross this road, you have two miles left, you know, to the shelter or or something like that. What I didn't realize was that wasn't actually the road on the map. That was a logging road that had been made since the map. So it was, we thought we had two miles left and we hiked another mile or two. And, oh, now we have two miles left. That's called the Steve Speck special right there. (laughs) (laughs) They accused me of that as the guy with the maps. The the whole group accused me of of uh, leading them on and, and just saying how things were better than what they actually were. It's yeah. just right around the corner. Just right around the corner. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny. So was it truly then decisions were made on the morning of day two or by that night had some people made decisions about continuing? Um, how did that go? By that night, both my sister and her friend were saying – yeah, they were, they, my sister's friend, Sue, with her feet, she knew she was done. She was, 
And my sister would have liked to have continued with us, but she was afraid that she was going to hold us back. So I don't know if it was, I think it was that night they decided that, okay, it was, I think the day two, it was maybe seven miles in the town. The, the, the whole trail only goes through one town. And, and that's where we were going to be morning of day two. So they decided that, you know what, we're going to hike to town and we're going to call uh, family and, and get picked up there. So that's what they did. They hiked the town and they actually, we followed the trail. They even could take a shortcut by, by staying on a dirt road. So they got to town. We left before them in the morning, but they ended up beating us to town. So they were waiting and even their ride was there to pick them up when we got to town um, that morning of day two. And that was probably the hardest there's a small, I mean, just a little general store. It's a very small mountain town, uh, but we were, we knew the store opened at 10 o'clock. They've got hand dipped ice cream and he thought oh, that would be pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so we, we stopped for our ice cream break, had to buy a couple more batteries. My headlamp for some reason had gone dead. Um, and then we kind of waved goodbye to them. And we knew that we had another, you know, 19 miles to go before our shelter for the night of day two. And for me, that, for me, that was probably the hardest time, personally. That's leaving a, town? Leaving town, it was a town that we have a, a cabin um, probably three or four miles from that town. It was a very familiar town to me. Mm-hmm. I knew that the the place that we vacation in the summertime was just a couple miles right up the dirt road i knew there was a mountain stream there that we loved to swim in and it was super hard to leave that and head back into the into the mountains it would have mm-hmm. been so easy just to say hey you know what you guys are quitting yeah this wasn't a good idea i don't know what we were thinking we might as well just quit too um and leaving town was was the worst as far as those emotions go. Yeah, um, we had had to walk out of town, and then it was a it was a maybe a nine hundred foot climb to the top, and then we were dropping into the it's called the Hammersley Wild Area. It's the the most most remote area in Pennsylvania. I think it's somewhere close to five miles from the nearest road you know, by the way the crow flies. So for Pennsylvania, that's as, that's as deep as you, you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, this trail goes right through that. So now the, the good thing about that is once you get into that wild area, I knew there was a, there was a swimming hole back in there that we had hiked to uh, as when we were kids and, and maybe a time since then. So we knew that was going to be a good spot. We, we got to there, I think, around lunchtime and knew that, hey, we can take a, a half-hour break. We can jump in the pool, um, cool ourselves off, clean up a little bit before we got to get going again. So once we got to that point, it was a lot better. But, boy, leaving town after ice cream, it would have been easy just to sit there and 
take it easy the rest of the day, head up to the cabin, see what's going on up there. Yeah. Um, so then day two, it was just the three of us. Mm. Um, and once we, once we hit the pool and got some lunch there, um, we kept going, did better that day. Now it was a lower mileage day, but I think we made, we didn't have to use our headlamps that night, which was great when we were hiking. We made the shelter at, I think around eight o'clock. So it was just starting to get dark. We had time to build a campfire, which I don't know what, what it is about a fire, but there's something about a fire that kind it's of magic. lifts you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we didn't do anything except look at it. We didn't yeah. cook on it. Didn't. That's I mean, all you we, need. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, there was, and actually at, at that shelter, there was a couple of, the shelters are maintained by the, the trail club, um, there was a couple of just cheap plastic chairs at the shelter. Uh, boy, a cheap plastic chair never felt so good to be able to just <laughs> sit <laughs> on, yeah. on a chair. Um, so that was great. So, and by that night, we, we got there at 8 o'clock. There was water right by, there was a great spring right by the shelter. We had, that was not an issue getting water that night. Um, that was, a. Uh, once we got the fire going it, at that point, we're thinking, yeah, you know, this has been terrible, but we're going to, you know, we can do this. We can, we can finish tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so Saturday night we were, we were feeling a lot better again. Yeah. That's awesome. Waking up Sunday, still feeling confident, feeling good. Yeah, we waking up Sunday, we were feeling confident. We we set the alarm for five o'clock. Our goal was to be on the trail at six. Um, we actually left the shelter at five forty. So we nice. hiked with our headlamps for I don't know, maybe an hour till it got light enough. Uh, and actually, that might have been the morning that I took two bites of my bagel and bacon peanut butter sandwich and and threw the rest in the woods and figured something else is going to eat that not me yeah uh, but, but uh and we we had a little bit different strategy then on sunday we knew we had about 28 miles sunday so we thought if we are on a trail at six o'clock in the morning and we can all we need to do is average two miles an hour all day including our stops so 28 miles, two mile an hour, that's going to be 14 hours of hiking. If we leave at six in the morning, we'll be done at eight o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of our goal. And it seemed like that day it helped. We could, we could check ourselves. We knew what time we started in the morning. We knew we had, you know, X amount of miles left and we had gone X amount of miles. So if we, if we hiked for two hours, and we're hiking at a two and a half mile pace. Well, then after those two hours, we would have gone five miles and we would have by our two mile an hour pace, we would have only needed to go four miles. So we had like a half an hour of, we were half hour ahead of schedule. And either we knew that, okay, we can take a half an hour break right now if we want to. And we're still going to finish at eight o'clock that night. And a lot of times we would say, you know what, let's take a, let's take a 10 minute break. Let's take a 15 minute break. 
Because at that point, it really didn't matter if you took a five-minute break or if you took a half-hour break. When you went to stand up again, you you felt terrible. I mean, your legs hurt. You you couldn't hardly move, and it you knew that after walking for another five or ten minutes, well, you'd get kind of loosened back up, and you wouldn't hurt as bad. But the last day, we we took less breaks. Um, maybe not less, but we took shorter breaks. Mm-hmm. Just because it didn't seem like longer breaks were helping us feel any better. And we were just, we were ready to be done. Um, and we had that goal in mind. We, and we got to the point that it was like, Hey, we're, we're a whole hour ahead. We can finish at seven o'clock tonight instead of eight o'clock. And then as we went on the day, Hey, if we keep moving, we, maybe we can be done by six thirty. And we ended up, um, Six o'clock that evening, we finished. Oh wow! Wow, that's great. So, I mean, we were we were certainly on adrenaline the last five or ten miles. Maybe not that long, but um, my son he he got to the point where he knew it was like a half a mile left, and he talked off running. I mean, it it wasn't a fast <laughs> run. But, yeah, <laughs> but he he beat us all back to the truck. Um, because he definitely wanted to be back by six o'clock. And I think he ended up being, you know, five fifty-eight or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so he was, I was after, I mean, I was proud of the way he did. Um, yeah. he, he was a trooper. He, I do have some good pictures at, at one point we had, we had made a climb and we got, I think that was a, that was another time. Well, we're going to stop when we hit the, the dirt road and it's just up around this corner. It's, it's probably around this corner. Um, and I was probably leading him on some and he hit the dirt road and just, I mean, just face plant, just spread Eagle laid down on the road. <laughs> like, <laughs> a quick picture of that. I think he's got his trekking poles in his hands still, and he's just laying on the road. Um, it was, it, it was fun. Um, yeah, it's yeah. certainly fun. I mean, there were times that were fun, but in the moment, I mean, there was all of us said, you know, this has got to be the, the dumbest thing we've ever done. Like <laughs> you're never doing this again. I don't know why we did this. Why'd you talk me into this? <laughs> Stupid <And> podcast. <laughs> you know, never, never again. And at the time I, I even, knew at the time I thought, well, how long will it take until, you know, you get past it and you remember it kind of differently. And I think it was a, within a week, all three of us, we were, you know, kind of talking and said, Hey, would you, would you do it again? And within a week, all three of us said, yeah, we'd, we'd do it again. I mean, it was terrible, but I don't know. I mean, looking back after you get it done, I guess it's the sense of accomplishment. Yeah. It's, it's hard to describe. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Totally different. Totally different looking back on it than when you're in it. Mm. Um, when you're in it, you never think you think it's never going to end. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're waking up at six o'clock in the morning and knowing that, oh, I've got to hike until it gets dark tonight. I mean, and just the whole mental side of it is um it's tough and that's one 
one of the podcasts and I this morning I think I went back and looked at way back uh, I think it was episode 78 the practice suffering one that's one I've gone back to and and have listened to a couple more times I think I've had my whole family listen to that one mm. uh, we've got it really easy um, now I'm not I'm not taking cold showers yet as as that guy had suggested that he does kind of at the end of every shower I think is what he talked about. But there's something about pushing yourself and and finding out exactly what you what you can do. You can do a whole lot more than what you think you can, as far as what your body gears anyway. Mm-hmm. I gotta imagine that's um, you know I'm a I'm a dad. My daughter's three. My son's nine months. I can't wait till they get big enough to do adventures like that with them. That had to be one heck of a bonding experience with your son. Oh, absolutely. And I. You know, at the time we were doing it, we said never again. Um, now my, I mean, my son, he, we talk about it often. Hey, are we going to do that again this year? And, and there's a good chance we're going to do it again. This, it might be Labor Day again this year. Mm. Um, and so my awesome. younger son, he's 12 right now. So he's, we're going to give him a couple more years until he comes. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to doing it with him too. Um, that it is, it's just a lot of fun, um, spending that time together and doing something that frankly, a lot of people said, yeah, you're crazy. You're never gonna, you know, when I talked to family before we went, you're never going to do that. You can't do that. You realize that's like walking from, from where you live to Virginia or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so but cool. then it it's like yeah we can do that you know we did it we can do that um and it was it was a a really fun bonding experience with with both my my son and even my brother-in-law um it, a lot of fun after it was over anyway and yeah. we had the way home we stopped at mcdonald's and we i mean we walked like old men because we had been sitting in the truck and people were <laughs> yeah. looking at crazy um <laughs> Like, what is wrong with you? I think we had, at that point, we had, we probably all had flip-flops on or something, and our feet are all taped up, and we're we're all hobbling around. And just that, I mean, just laughing about that. At that point, it was, it was a lot of fun at that point, and just talking about what had all had happened. I mean, we, on the hike, we saw deer, we saw, we saw a black bear the one evening, we had a, a rattlesnake right on our trail the one day that we had to to maneuver around um just a lot like you say a lot of memories and and stuff that you know for my son and i will we'll be able to talk about that trip for for years to come and and back on that fondly yeah i think the the whole pursuit's worthwhile based off of the memories, the adventure, the testing of yourself, the bonding with your son, like there's so, so many takeaways, even if it didn't apply at all to hunting. But I am curious, you did specifically say that like the mental toughness from a hike like that did translate for you into elk hunting. And so I'm just, I'm curious, like what is your personal thoughts, experience on how those two do connect? It was interesting. Um, on our hunt, then we had a, uh, a tough hunt, which is probably a, a typical hunt. Um, we had trouble getting away from from the crowds. 
for the first uh, probably two thirds of our hunt. So it was my brother-in-law who went on the hike with me. My brother who went on my hunt with me was not on the hike. He was too busy. Uh, he acted like, well, yeah, it would be fun, but I don't have time for that. Um, so the morning we hunt, we started hunting on a Sunday. It was actually Thursday, I think, that he killed his bull. That morning we woke up to bugles that, that Thursday morning. And that was the that was only maybe the second bugle we ever heard. We had heard one the night before, right at dark. And I woke up; it was still dark yet. I heard these things. They woke me up. I couldn't sleep. I was like, "Hey, there's there's a bull bugling up on the mountain." And I told my brother, "I said, Do you hear that?" And he's like, "Ah, let me sleep. I just want to sleep." And I thought, "Well, we're here to hunt elk. Why?" There's an elk. I can hear it right up on the hill. And and I don't know that if he would have gone on the hike, if that would have changed for him. But for me, it was like I I kind of experienced that on the hike that, you know, this is terrible. It's never going to end. But then you realize it does end. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was kind of for me what kind of translated to the hunt was, hey, yeah, these first days have been pretty terrible and we've hiked pretty far and and seen and heard very little other than hunters. But, you know, now, now there's an elk right up there. Like, let's get going. Let's not sleep. We, we came to hunt. Let's go. Um, and he did get up, but (laughs) (laughs) that just the, the whole of realizing that when you're in something, it's hard to, you can almost be controlled by the, by everything negative of that situation right then. But realizing that, hey, this isn't going to be like this forever, you know, even if we never find an elk the whole rest of this trip, this trip is going to come to an end. Like in three days, we're going home and then it's all over. Um, so take advantage of, of your hunt while you're there, because next week you can sleep next week, but Today is the day that we need to be going after that elk. Yeah. And it, it feels pretty terrible now, but it's going to get better one way or another, whether we, whether we get an elk or not. I mean, it, this is the misery right now is, is going to be short lived when you look back on, on the situation, but it, when you're in it, it's hard. Right. Yeah. It's hard to detach and have that perspective because all you have is like what you're feeling in the moment, unless you choose to, to see it other ways. Yeah. 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 You had said before, and and I think one of our emails back and forth, I had it written down, everything can change in an instant and the terribleness of a situation is quickly forgotten after the goal is accomplished. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't be better said. So you, one thing I wanted to, uh, talk about the hunt a little bit more and some of those lessons learned and um we spent a great amount of time talking about the the hike which i don't regret at all but i do want to hit on the hunt and some specifics in terms of the logistics that you guys did with the hunt um i don't know that i've ever heard of anyone doing their travel <laughs> arrangements this way <laughs> um for the out-of-state <laughs> stuff so i want to be sure we hit it and and talk about it you guys as we've talked about from pennsylvania you hunted in colorado if I have this right, you bought one-way tickets, so you yep. flew to Colorado for your hunt. Yep. Then you bought a truck on Craigslist. Yes. Yep. And you were fortunate enough to kill the elk, so then you had the truck to then drive 
essentially cross country back home and then you just sold the truck when you got home is that right yeah yeah yep I that's correct uh, <laughs> where did you yeah. come up with that plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> love it the first year we went out we flew both ways and we said yeah that's really nice but you lose so much time you you've got to be out of the woods at a certain time to drive back to the airport to fly home what if we and to drive the whole way out you beat yourself up so much by driving the the trip out there but what if we would fly one way and then drive home and you can do that with a rental a one way rental home and i know some guys have done that um but that gets kind of expensive and i I don't like spending money on stuff if I don't have to. Um, so we thought, well, hey, we can just, we can fly out. We can look on Craigslist. We can, we can buy a truck and we can drive home. Now, it helped that we, we found our, um, we were able to find flights, a one-way flight from Baltimore to Denver, I think for $49. Um, so we, at the time, it's like, man. If we, we might as well book these tickets now, because even if something comes up and it doesn't work or we decide to do, you know, if we don't find a vehicle or something, 49 bucks is not that much. Right. So that's what we did. We booked them and then I would uh, peruse Craigslist. That's probably one of my hobbies, <laughs> but, uh, and just started looking for vehicles and had to email or call, I don't know three or four guys and it's always kind of interesting it's it's uh hey i saw your truck on craigslist and and i'm interested in it but uh here's the catch we're not coming till september and we're gonna hunt and then we want to drive home we're from pennsylvania (laughs) and some people were like oh uh no thanks um but then i there was a couple of them that were like well yeah i'm not in a hurry to to sell this vehicle yeah that might work and and found a guy and we had we ended up doing some we did a lot of texting back and forth we did a, a video chat back and forth and ended up sending him a deposit for him to hold it and then and then paid the balance when we got there um, wow. and drove it home and it it all worked out perfectly um, we were able we actually flew out with our coolers that was one of our check bags. Um, we we checked a bow case and a cooler going out. We used our packs as carry-ons, so we had all of our stuff. Um, killed the elk, put the meat in the coolers, threw some ice on top, and and drove straight through on the way home. And the the truck ran perfect. Um, <clears throat> it it could not have gone any better. It most certainly could have gone a whole lot worse. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it, yeah, it worked out really well. I, I don't think that we are, um, it looks like we're probably more on an every other year elk hunt type of schedule. So we're probably not going here in, in 20, but if we go again in 21, I would think that we're going to look to buy a truck and drive it home or buy a vehicle and, and drive it home wow. and, and just resell it again. Yeah, I think Mark had mentioned you told, drove it home and sold it for more than you paid or something like that, right? 
Yeah, we did. We did all right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. My <laughs> brother said, "Don't be, don't be sharing all of our secrets. We'll have uh, everyone, everyone looking for for vehicles on Craigslist, <laughs> <laughs> out of staters." <laughs> uh, man. But yeah, and it it helps. You know, we're on the East Coast, the Rust Belt, if you want to say. So if we can find a, a Western vehicle that that doesn't have the rust and the corrosion on it. Mm-hmm. We were confident that we could at least, you know, even if we broke even, we were going to be happy. Right. Um, we did a little bit better than that. So it, it really worked out well. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, David, it's been uh, awesome for you to have to, for you to share the story um, with us and take the time. Is there anything we didn't hit that just happens to be on mine that you would want to, tell listeners or just encourage guys with? Uh, just a couple of things that I had jotted down here back to the hike. I was, we saw very few people on that trail and we, I mean, it was Labor Day weekend. It was a holiday weekend. I thought, wow, this might be really crowded. There was just nobody there. And I was surprised by that. It's like, hey, you know, there's a club that maintains this trail, get out and use it. I couldn't. And the other thing that, that surprised me was of the people that we did see like i would see people hiking and they'd have their earbuds in and i'm thinking Mm -hmm. you're out here in the middle of nowhere like no earbuds that's gonna (laughs) that's gonna be one of my rules is and and none of us had them but you don't go on a hike and and put your earbuds in that that just doesn't make sense to me um so no earbuds uh, I did say if, if anybody is, is going elk hunting with me, um, one of the, one of the prerequisites for going on an elk hunt with us is you're going to hike the STS trail in three days with us. Um, just to make sure you're ready. I've heard too many stories of people taking buddies or friends on an elk hunt. And then it kind of turns into disaster because someone's just not prepared either physically or mentally for the trip. Um, so if, if you want to come hunt, we can, we can hunt elk, but first we're going to, we're going to do our own little mini death hike to make sure we're all ready. Yeah. Um, it's a great idea. And the other thing that, that I thought of, and maybe someone's done it before I hadn't heard of it. When we, when we got to Colorado, when we bought our, we went to Walmart, you know, buy your hunting license, I picked up a full-size pillow, uh, the cheapest one I could find. It was like five bucks, um, and that was great. I don't sleep well. I mean, I have a little inflatable pillow that's, I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess, but it's not very good. Um, we ended up on our hunt. We ended up camping, truck camping more than we anticipated. So to have that pillow that I could use, you know, a sleeping pad, sleeping bag and a, and a full size pillow. Uh, excuse me. I would, even if I was flying both ways, I'd buy a full size pillow and throw the thing away before I left again. I mean, that was, (laughs) I, I was envious. My brother and and cousin were both envious of my, my pillow that worked really well. (laughs) That's cool. Awesome. Well, David, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for sharing the time and experience with us yeah thanks for having me i it's it was uh i had sent you guys an email just to kind of let you know what was going on with our 
with our hike and hunt and I did not expect to to get an invitation to the podcast. That was it was it's been an honor. Uh, my wife said to me the one day she said, "Hey, did you see the email? They want you on the podcast." And I said, "No, they don't." I said, "I saw the email. I figured it. I just saw the heading. I said I thought it was just another you know mass email." And she said, "No, they want you on the podcast." Um, couldn't believe it. So, like I said, it, <laughs> it's been an honor. Uh, I I really appreciate it, and I. I don't know. We talk about this. This hike may even turn into a yearly thing. It's terrible, but it's a lot of fun all at the same time. Well, what a way to wrap it, and what an awesome story. If you guys heard that and you're not fired up and can't wait to go do something like that, I think you got the wrong podcast, man. Like you, If that doesn't get you going, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're uh, the right podcast for you. But for those of you that have stuck around that listened to that story, We'd love to hear what you come up with. Um, Yeah, if you do a death hike, you do anything like that, some sort of event, take some photos, share it with us, share the story. Just send that to podcast at exomountaingear.com. And yeah, get out there and make it happen. Go do something, test yourself, try yourself. It'll be a bit terrible, it'll be a bit awesome, and you'll be better for it. Catch you next week.